Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Resistant starch has received a lot of attention for its potential to exert a healthy impact on the gut, and Supergut is adding to that by offering insights through its research. In 2021, Dr. Chris Damon joined Supergut after spending five years leading the Gut Health, Microbiome, and Functional Food Initiative at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Today, he is Supergut's Chief Medical and Science Officer, using his background to spearhead Supergut's clinical validation efforts and work with a product development team on new health solutions. Joining me now is gastroenterologist Chris Damon. Hi, Chris, and welcome to the NutraCast. Hi, Danielle. It's uh, great to be on. Great to connect. It is great to have you on, too. So Supergut has a clinical trial that validates a growing body of evidence showing that resistant starch can transform the gut microbiome. Uh, But before we get into all that, why don't you tell us what exactly resistant starch is and, and how it works? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So when we think of starch, we think of that white powdery substance that's not good for us. And generally speaking, that's true. You know, we equate starch with sugar, but there are different types of starch. There's digestible starch, and that falls into that bucket. And there's resistant starch, and resistant starch is actually a fiber. And essentially, a fiber is is a carbohydrate, but it's a carbohydrate that our body, our enzymes cannot digest. And so it essentially passes right through the upper digestive tract down into the lower tract, into the colon, where our gut microbiome has a feast on it. It's a prebiotic, and it helps all of those little microbes in our gut, our partners in health, produce substances that are really critical to our health. Substances like the short-chain fatty acid butyrate that have incredible uh, effects on our metabolic as well as other aspects of our health. And so how would, you know, like the average consumer know how to differentiate the different kinds of starch? In terms of the different types of starch, you can kind of put them into two different buckets. There's resistant starch and there is digestible starch. And digestible starch is just like any other starch or sugar. uh, It can be digested. Resistant starch is basically resistant to that digestion. In terms of, you know, looking at a, a label, a food label, if you wanted to determine between the two what that particular food has more of, you can essentially just look at the fiber versus total carbohydrate, uh, and that will give you a sense of it. It might not break it down into those terms, but that's essentially what those, those terms are capturing. Okay, got it. So, Chris, how does resistant starch help transform gut immune and metabolic health? And what's the role of the gut microbiome in all of this? Yeah, so resistant starch makes it down to all those little microbes uh, in our, our colon and lower gut. And the microbes, they essentially munch on those fibers and they create different substances. And one of the key substances is something called butyrate. And, and butyrate has many effects on the body, both within the colon, but also in small amounts gets absorbed into the bloodstream and so has effects uh, throughout the entire body. One of the things that butyrate does in the colon is it stimulates hormones in the gut, specifically uh, GLP-1 and GIP. 
These same hormones have very recently been uh, developed into injectable therapies for uh, diabetes and for weight loss. But the way fiber is working is actually stimulating these hormones in a natural way. What these hormones do in the body is quite complex, but you know everything from affecting our appetite, affecting how quickly our stomach empties, and then also affecting glucose control by our pancreas. So really, really powerful uh, mechanisms that, that fiber taps into. Can you tell me more about this research on resistant starch and some of the key findings that you came across? Yeah, so this is actually a really opportune time to be uh, chatting about this because the study that uh, we conducted looking at one of the Supergut products, which is a shake that contains resistant starch and other prebiotic fibers, that study has just been accepted for publication. Uh, so an exciting time. And the study essentially looked at one a nutritional shake that had the fibers and then a very similar nutritional shake that was missing the fibers to see what those fibers were doing. And this was a study that was conducted in folks with elevated blood sugar levels uh, and that were at least overweight or, or obese. What we found is that the quality of life improved in these individuals uh, measured by well-validated uh, scale, uh, but also different metabolic markers of health improved, like hemoglobin A1C, which is a marker of blood sugar, and weight, uh, both improved. What would you say about consumer awareness in this category? Do you think that consumers know enough about this sort of thing? I, I think that's an excellent, excellent question. And there's so much confusion around nutrition and health in the consumer domain. And I think there's, in particular, a lot of confusion around fiber. So Generally speaking, when people think of fiber, they just think of fiber might help me, you know, in the bathroom, essentially help me with with better bowel movements if I'm constipated or uh, if I have looser stools that will help regulate those. And that's certainly true. Uh, that's very important. Other people might think, well, you know, fiber is good for gut health, generally speaking. And that also is true. It does help with gut health and, and helps, you know, develop the, the good microbes within our gut. Where I think consumers might be less aware is how impacting gut health and, and helping those good microbes in our gut, how that impacts the rest of the body in really profound ways, in ways that actually have been studied quite extensively at this point. Certainly, you know, more research always needs to be done, but um, there are um, there's a developing understanding of the pathways that exist between the gut and our brain and the gut and metabolism and the gut and inflammation, our immune system. So I think these areas are the areas where there's probably more consumer education that needs to happen around how fiber can truly impact things like perhaps sleep uh, and mood and how full we feel, weight, blood sugar control, uh, perhaps you know inflammation. So the list goes on and on because it's just so fundamental uh, there's the old adage, you are what you eat, and that is incredibly uh, profound and incredibly true. And, and fiber is, is one of those things that's part of our food and one of those things that profoundly impacts our general overall health. Yeah, I, it's so interesting to think about how the gut and the gut health is related to so many different aspects of our health, essentially all of it. 
but I don't think people are taking in fiber thinking it's going to help with their sleep or things like that, right? <laughs> you got it. Yeah. But, you know, as people look at all these different domains of health, there's there's pockets of research that are actually substantiating that fiber is you know, not just theoretically connected to these other parts of our body, but actually borne out in, in research. Yeah. And you're so you're doing your part in research, but then there's also the consumer education piece. You know, I had your CEO, Mark Washington, on recently, and we had a great discussion about using content to educate consumers. I'm wondering, is that something that you help out with? Absolutely. Uh, so I am super passionate about what can be done to improve the public health epidemic of diabetes, obesity. And a key component to that is education. And so, you know, whatever way I can contribute to getting really important messages out there, I'm, I'm all for it. In fact, I, you know, I'm super excited to join you today for that reason. This is a shining example of, you know, increasing consumer awareness around these really, really important topics. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I'm not really big on TikTok, but I know that Supergut is. Are you on TikTok? Is that something that you do personally and put out like your own messages or, or how do you feel about that from a doctor's perspective? I know there's a lot of physicians that, that are on TikTok. I know there's also, you know, a lot of opinions around TikTok and the, the role that it, it fills within education. I, I think that there's great utility to TikTok to, to reaching consumers uh, done in a responsible way. I personally I'm not uh, currently on a TikTok channel, but I um, will say that that Supergut uh, does very much lean into TikTok. And I think that's an important part of our overall messaging. Definitely. So as you kind of mentioned earlier, you know, Supergut's clinical trial paper was accepted for peer-reviewed publication in diabetes, obesity, metabolism. So congrats on that milestone. When can we expect to see that paper? Yes. Yeah, so you can actually go on to the diabetes, obesity and metabolism website right now and, and find the paper. And just one other thing to say on the paper and a really critical piece is uh, it's undergone peer review. And that's a really important part to it being accepted to an academic journal. And what that essentially means uh, is other experts within the field have read every single word very deeply within the paper and provided their feedback and critique. Uh, that goes through several different rounds. And so then the final product is one that is much more uh, refined and addresses maybe perhaps some of the missing pieces. So in terms of ongoing research, there's always ongoing research uh, that's happening. And currently it's happening in two different forms. One is working with other experts in the fields that have perhaps read or heard of Supergut and think about, well, how might this apply to the population of individuals or patients that I see on a regular basis? And so one example is uh, a study that is about to launch at uh, Pennington Research Institute in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, in a uh, clinic that is serving uh, folks with morbid obesity and as a pre-bariatric surgery measure. And so that study is about to launch. Now, other types of research uh, that are happening are uh, small pilots that we conduct, looking at the products and, and different quality of life aspects like uh, sleep and you know food coma and, and things like that. So these are smaller efforts, but actually a previous effort that we did, a small pilot that we did 
uh, was presented at the American Diabetes Association last year. Uh, it was looking at uh, one of our, just the fiber blends in healthy individuals on blood sugar control. And we showed a, a 30% decrease in the blood sugar spike that happens after having a meal that's high in sugar. So these efforts are always ongoing at Supergut, uh, always very much leaning into the importance of research. Research is so important. I'm wondering, out of all the research that you've conducted throughout your career, what would you say would be the most significant or that stands out the most to you? That's an interesting question. Um, well, uh, I've done research in a lot of different domains, different aspects of health. When I was at the foundation, we were looking at the impact of uh, specially designed foods that targeted the microbiome and microbiome-based therapies in women and children in low- and middle-income countries with malnutrition. And I would say that research that was conducted, and this was all the collaborative research that happens with academic uh, institutions, I, I see that as being incredibly impactful to public health at large in the world. Now, I will say that the reason that I decided to focus my efforts on conditions that were closer to home, so to speak, uh, like diabetes and obesity, was realizing that in low and middle income countries, there's, we use this term called the double burden of malnutrition, where obesity and diabetes truly is as prevalent as malnutrition, as, as wasting and stunting. And it was that realization that, that made me uh, think, gosh, this is a problem that needs to be short-circuited right here at home. Otherwise, we'll essentially replicate our public health crisis across the entire world. And so when you look at things in that context and think about, well, what are the ramifications of the research that's been conducted at Supergut? I would say it's right up there with the potential uh, for the types of research that we were doing at the Gates Foundation. That is so profound. I remember reporting on that double burden, and it was a few years ago, and it was the first time I'd ever heard of it. I don't think a lot of people are familiar with this problem. In these countries, I think a lot of people picture what you probably see in commercials, which are these starving children. But on the other side, like you mentioned, there's a lot of people who are overweight but undernourished, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, overweight and undernourished. And I would say even here in the U.S., you know, we are many of us overweight and undernourished. And, and the piece that's undernourished, we're, we're missing fiber. It's, it's truly that simple. Certainly, there's other things that are processed out in ultra-processed foods, but fiber is one of the key things. If we can just get certain types of fiber, fiber isn't all created equal, but certain types of fiber like resistant starch, like beta-glucan, uh, which is also in the super gut product, if we can get those back into foods, I think that can make a really big dent in the burden of metabolic disease. Mm -hmm. And I think you may have already hinted at it, but what would you say is your biggest goal while working uh, at Supergut? Um, the biggest and loftiest goal is, is to short-circuit metabolic disease. It's a public health goal. It's to eradicate obesity and diabetes. And I truly think that that is possible. It starts as a grassroots effort. It starts as one small company making a difference, but that company can become a shining star example and precedent for how other companies might actually follow suit, perhaps even some of the big food companies. 
Absolutely. You said lofty, but I do certainly think it is attainable. Dr. Chris Damon, SuperGuts Chief Medical and Science Officer, thank you so much for joining me here on the NutriCast. Danielle, it's been a pleasure and perhaps we'll meet again in this context. If you like what you just heard, you can subscribe to the NutriCast wherever you get your podcast. You can also head to NutraIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutri-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.